Roman Gabriel Show. People always say, do you want to be known for a football player or the broadcasting career you've had? And I said, I've never woken up in the middle of the night dreaming about a great segment. You know, on radio, it was always about sacking the quarterback. So I, I would always rather be remembered as a football player. You know, when you can get up in the morning or do a, do a job and look to your right or left and see your kid there and you get to share a microphone and work together for like we did for three years, it's awesome. We, we actually called a couple of games together. Any father would say working, being able to work with their kid, son, daughter, whatever, is just an incredible feeling. But you look at some of the great quarterbacks that have played this game, they're pocket guys. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Now, John Elway could run, but he still wanted to throw the ball first. You know, Ben Roethlisberger got himself a couple of rings. Eli Manning got himself a couple of rings. Drew Brees, even though he's on the smaller side, he's not a runner. He's a pocket passer. And Brady is still able to get away with it in a game that is now leaning toward the Pat Mahomes, you know, the Lamar Jackson. So what Brady has done, and what you mentioned about the two careers, it blows my mind. His first 10 years, his second 10 years, each of those in half were Hall of Fame careers in themselves. Welcome to a new edition of the Roman Gabriel Show, powered by Shred360. Go to shred360.com. Coming in with me is former Philadelphia Eagles defensive tackle, the voice of Mike and Mike, and Golik and Wingo, former ESPN extraordinaire and now college football analyst, Mike Golik. Everybody, this is Roman Gabriel, host of the Roman Gabriel Show. You know, our mission is much larger than providing you an entertaining podcast. Our country faces an ongoing crisis of underage youth battling alcohol and drug addiction and a rising suicide rate. This problem impacts all of us and our families. Our nonprofit, the Sold Out Youth Foundation, has been my passion since 2003, impacting hundreds of thousands of middle and high school students, challenging them to an alcohol and drug-free life while providing a life-changing interactive online education platform, teaching students valuable life skills and success principles, equipping them to pursue their passion and dreams. I need your help. Our program is successful because of people just like you who financially support our movement. Please give safely and easily today by going to our website at soldouttv.com. That's soldouttv.com. And click on the red donate button. Or right now on your cell phone, text sold out 20 to 484848. That's sold out 20 to 484848. All donations are 100% tax deductible, and believe me, any amount will help. Your generous gift can help one more child stay on the right path to health, wellness, and success. Thank you, and be sold out. Welcome to the Roman Gabriel Show, RomanGabrielShow.com, or anywhere you get your podcast. And coming in with me is uh, one of my favorite guys, one of my favorite guests, uh, the great Mike Golick with us today. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well in this really different Super Bowl year, that's for sure. You know, I uh, I caught your football games this year. Uh, really enjoyed them. How did you like being out on the road regular for football again? Well, I mean, I only went out on the road for actually the last two uh, bowl games. Before that, I was doing it at ESPN. I mean, You wouldn't even know. Well, yeah, I mean, but boy, I, it's so much better being out. So for the 
Alamo Bowl. I was in San Antonio, and then I went to Arizona for the Fiesta Bowl. And, man, I miss it. I'll definitely be doing that going forward. I'll be calling games for somebody. It's just a matter of what else I want to do as well. Well, uh, do you miss the everyday radio gig, or are you filling the time other ways, obviously? No, I, I do miss it. You know, every now and then, you know, my wife gets a little tired of me just talking sports because I have no other outlet. And my son Mike has his show at ESPN, and I'll text him during the show my opinions on something. I feel like, you know, I, I miss it. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, that's what my agent has said. You got to decide, do you want to jump back into it or not? And right now, I, I do miss it. I miss talking sports every day you know, kind of the, the, the natural reaction to things that are happening, you know, right away. So uh, at this point, I, I'd say I'll probably jump back into it at some point. Well, that sounds great, man. You're, I mean, it's not like it's not like you're ever too old for this. In fact, I had a guy tell me one time, uh, you know, you can do this to, you know, 75 years old if you want to. I mean. Well, the key thing there is, is my wife doesn't want me to retire yet. So she doesn't want me around as much. So. That's kind of the deciding factor. <laughs> uh, I, I've kind of learned already just through the pandemic that my wife doesn't run me around all the time. <laughs> yeah. We find out some hard truths sometimes, don't we? <laughs> Mike Golick with us. And uh, so, Mike, are you going to be back out on the trail doing football again next year? That's the plan. I don't know with who. I'll definitely be doing it with somebody, uh, whether it's college games or pro games. I love calling games. So, um, and – then I just have to decide, am I just going to do that? Or do I want to throw a show in there as well on radio or TV or streaming? So, but I, as I, as I said, and we've talked to a lot of people, that is something that I definitely a hundred percent want to do. So, you know, come football season next year, I'll definitely be calling games. Did you have the same type of feeling when you retired from football? Like you like, it's a little bit of empty feeling uh, as opposed to because you did radio for longer than a football career. I mean, yeah, well, and what, what hurts more is because people always say, do you want to be known for a football player or the broadcasting career you've had? And I said, I've never woken up in the middle of the night dreaming about a great segment, you know, <laughs> on radio. It was always about sacking the quarterback. So I, I would always rather be remembered as a football player. But there are, are listen, I, I've had people come up to me and say, man, I, I started listening to you in grade school through high school, through college. Wow. Like, my God, I'm so old that, that a lot, a lot of these, the younger people, they didn't even know I played football, you know? So it, it's kind of a weird thing. I really have gone far to two, two completely different careers here. So you, you would be open to, to uh, going somewhere besides ESPN to do radio. Oh yeah. I'm not, I'm not with ESPN anymore. So I'm, I'm I, the, for the first time in my career, I'm a free agent. So Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're talking to, you know, a lot of people out there. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what I feel most comfortable with. Are you uh, – I know you're proud of your son and what he's accomplished. Uh, so how is he doing? He's doing great. I mean, listen, now, of all the years I was on air, the last three where he was part of the show uh, along with Trey Wingo uh, was the best. I mean, you know, nothing against Tony Bruno, who I started with, or Greeny, who I spent all the years with, or Trey for three years – you know, when you can get up in the morning or do a, do a job and look to your right or left and see your kid there and you get to share a microphone and work together for like we did for three years, I mean, it's awesome. We, we actually called a couple of games together in a three-man booth a couple of years ago. So, you know, you don't, you don't trade that stuff in. That, that, that stuff is just too good to be true. So that was a great time. I'm really proud of him. He's taken off with what he's doing. He's got a great, bright career ahead of him. Uh, again, but uh, those years working with with him, as I'm sure any 
any father would say working, being able to work with their kid, son, daughter, whatever, is just an incredible feeling. Mike Golick with us on the Roman Gabriel Show. Go to romangabrielshow.com for everything sports and entertainment. Well, I haven't talked to you since that last show. And by the way, I was able to catch that last show. Um, you got pretty emotional on that show at the end. Well, I knew I, I, yeah, you, I knew I was. Is that something you thought my, you were going to do anyways? I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought I was. But then my son Mike did. You know, I was going to kind of take the last couple of minutes to, you know, say goodbye. And Mike jumped in and, and said what he said. And I was like, wow, that – my wife's a crier anyway, so she was already crying, and that really got me. So uh, I, I knew it was going to be emotional, uh, but I knew I wanted it to end that way. Trey was nice enough to step out for the last segment and just let my family uh, be there. That's how I wanted it. I mean, family is, is first with us uh, in everything, uh, and they've been such a big part of the show. When I started that show, Mike was 10, Jake was 9, and Sydney was 5. I ended the show, one's 31, one's 30, and one's 26. So, I mean, you want to, we grew up. They grew up with it, and I made it all, them all part of the show, and they enjoyed it. My wife's been a big part of it, so I thought that was the only way to end it was just, you know, have my family, which is growing. My wife, my uh, son, uh, Jake's wife, Jenny, was here, and my daughter, Sydney's fiance, Ben Broniker, was here. So, uh, that's, that's just kind of how we wanted to do it. How far in advance um, did you know uh, that when the last show would be? Um, we probably knew for a few weeks, you know, it took a while, you know, it wasn't the greatest uh, ending in the world, how it all came about. Um, but then once we knew it was going to end, we we're like, okay, well, you know, give it, give us a date here. You know, let's, let's, because if you're going to start a new show, you definitely want to start it before football season starts, you know, because that's the big, so you right. wanted to start it in August. So they finally said July 31st. And, and the first thing I said to him, I don't want any any nothing, you know, nothing extravagant, nothing. I said, I want my family here on the last show, uh, and that's it. And, of course, we had a cake, which, you know, you know, anybody who knows the Golics knows there's going to be cake involved. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and it was kind of fitting that it was in my house, <laughs> too, in yeah. my basement. So, it was pretty from, – from that respect, it was – I didn't want it to end. I wish it didn't end. But from that respect, to be able to have it in my house, have my family around, and have cake. Now, so so did the relationship been good with ESPN? Or would it be something that you would be willing to go back to ESPN in the right situation if that happened? Well, in the, in the right situation, I wouldn't. It certainly didn't end well with some people there. Uh, not, not the whole place. I'd made, you know, I've been there too long and, and made too many friends, but that doesn't mean there, there wasn't some issues with some of the people there and happened to be the decision makers uh, as well. Kind of like I was a coach or, or kind of like when the coaches cut me from teams. I may not have agreed with being cut from Houston or from Miami, but, you know, they didn't care. They're the coach. Right. They make the decision. So, you know, same way here. I didn't agree with the decision. They wanted to. So certainly there were some hard feelings with a couple, but that's, I think that's true in a lot of cases. But ESPN as a whole, I mean, I've made too many friends over the years. So uh, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I highly doubt that they're going to bring me back there. Um, but, hey, you know what? As I've always said, if the phone rings, you answer it. If it isn't, uh, if it isn't ESPN, Mike, or radio, what are some of the aspirations you've got going forward or some of the things you have some passion for that you'd like to see happen for you? Um, I, I think at that point, it's going to be really even, even more around the kids. At some point, my kids will start having grandkids. We own a couple of uh, 
uh, businesses, Orange Theory Fitness Studios that my son and his wife run in, in Boston. Maybe I'd branch out with those a little bit. I'll do something busy. I, I do plan on staying in this business for a while. As I said, 58 is too young yeah. to retire to that. But as my wife said, she's like, what are you going to do? Just sit around? I mean, so I'll find, <laughs> I'll find something to do. I'll probably hit the golf course a little more, but uh, I'll definitely find something to keep me going. Mike, family-wise, um, how how did you spend COVID? I mean, how was how was that for you? In the house, I mean, the last part of, uh, you know, when it hit in March, uh, me, Trey, and Mike, when we were doing our show, where I'm talking to you now was our studio. Trey would come over in the morning. We had camera guys, people come up. Uh, when we'd get out of the house, they'd set everything up. And then we they taught us how to turn everything on every morning. So for the last, from March 16th to the end of my show, July 31st, we did the show right here in my basement. Just the three of us. No other people were around. We learned how to turn everything on and off. And then when that show ended, you know, as far as the family, we just we just stayed inside it. We stayed only within our group. We followed the rules the way we thought they should be followed um, uh, for, for this to help. Wearing masks, we did all of those things. And, you know, nobody in our family has – has had COVID. We, we've all been fortunate there. Um, you know, we're just trying to follow along. We're just trying to do what we, we think we're supposed to do or what we're being told to do and try and work through this. Uh, tell, me, tell me about your playing days. Um, when you look at the game being played today on, from a defensive line standpoint, because, um, uh, you know, so much has been said now about the importance of, uh, of defensive end, a pass rush, um, you know, having an edge pass rusher. Um, when you played with Reggie White and when you played with that great, you know, uh, defensive line with the Philadelphia Eagles, um, do you do you see that group that you were with being able to play effectively today or has it changed that much? Oh, no, they would play today. You're a great pass rusher. It doesn't matter what area you're in. Reggie was 6'6", 315. Clyde is 6'6", 290. Jerome was 6'3", 300. You know, they would they would be just fine in this. They, they, they beat guys then. They beat guys now. Uh, it would be bad for me in a pass rush league. I was not a great pass rusher. I was better against the run. So it certainly would, would affect me. I'd be a two-down guy and be running off on third down. But those guys, listen, when you're that great, you, you, you transcend eras and, and are, are able to play. So, yeah, those, those guys would be just fine in today's game. Today's game is different, though. There is a lot more movement. Uh, the game is faster. There's a lot more personnel packages. So, but, you know. The players that playing are that are playing in it now. That's what they grew up playing in, so they're they're used to that. You guys didn't come off though, right? You were a four down, three down guys, correct? Um, we, we rotated around. Listen, Reggie and Clyde never came off the field. Rarely did Jerome come off the field. Um, normally, if it was a, a pass rush situation and the interior guys were healthy, Jerome and Mike Pitts a lot of times would be on the field. I had my share of pass rushes, but listen, I played nine years and I had eleven and a half sacks. That doesn't bode well as a great pass rusher. Uh, I had my moments. They were few and far in between, though. <laughs> well, uh, tell me about um, – a lot of people make comparisons to the Rams' Aaron McDonald with Reggie White. Uh, tell, talk about that in terms of just – Oh, I mean, they're, they're, listen, they're two diff completely different players. I mean, Reggie's 6'6", 315, it was. I mean, God rest his soul. He could line up on an end, on a guard, on a center. He beat anybody. You know, Aaron Donald is actually undersized for his position. 6'1", and by the end of the season, he probably weighs in the 260s or 270s. 
which makes it even just amazing of what he does. He's the most double-teamed lineman there is out there, yet he still makes penetration and wreaks havoc uh, in the backfield. I, I think, you know, when you sit there and talk about the, the great pass rushers, a lot of times you mentioned a Lawrence Taylor and a, and a Reggie White. I, I wouldn't doubt at the end of Aaron Donald's career, the way it's going, that he would be talked about in the same breath with those guys with how great a player he was and how effective he was. Do you, what do you see in his game, Mike, that, that, that you know, because it doesn't seem like anything they do really stops him. I mean, so. It's quickness. I mean, it's all quickness. I mean, so even when he gets double, double teamed, his quickness right out of the gate, he's already beat half a man. So rarely is it two guys actually on him. He usually halfway at least beats the first guy before the second guy's on him. Uh, and he's already made penetration into the backfield. So now, you know, a lot of times, especially in the run game, you know, one guy's supposed to go off to the linebacker while the other guy stays on him, but he can beat that guy and go make the play. On the pass rush, if he gets double teamed, he still pushes the pocket and makes the quarterback move. That leaves your other guys that are that are one-on-one pass rushing. It gives them a little freer uh, rush going to the quarterback once you make him move. So I, I think I, if, I'd say what makes him so special is his, is his quickness off the ball, his hands and feet and his ability to be side-by-side side with an offensive lineman. And the old lineman knows, if a D lineman is side-by-side side with you, you've lost. And that's one thing Aaron Donald does extremely well. Hey, this is Nick Ruffini from Revoice Media, and I'm the executive producer of The Roman Gabriel Show. We got involved with this show because we realized that Roman has a passion for educating the next generation. And we need your help. We need you to be a donor and go to soldouttv.com and donate, whether it's one time or an ongoing basis. Please help us educate the next generation by becoming a donor. Go to soldouttv.com and click donate. And remember, you can help us at the Sold Out Youth Foundation by donating. Text Sold Out 20 to 484848. That's Sold Out 20 to 484848 and help us help your students to stay drug and alcohol free. Mike Golick with us on the Roman Gabriel Show. Miami Dolphins, Philadelphia Eagles, and of course ESPN fame with uh, his radio show and uh, doing football, calling football, which is always a lot of fun to watch. Um, So, uh, you know, getting to Tom Brady, Mike, um, you know, obviously, the guy is the, the guy's incredible in terms of what he's accomplished just you know when you look at age but then throw the age out and just look at what he's done in his last uh 10 years as opposed to the first i mean i think i saw a stat the other day where he was the best quarterback statistically his first 10 years and the best his second 10 um from a defensive lineman standpoint and from somebody who's played against some great quarterbacks you know what what is it about brady uh mike i mean cuz the superlatives are out there but i just what is it about him that makes him different you know, we've seen the game change to more of that movable quarterback. But you look at some of the great quarterbacks that have played this game, they're pocket guys. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Now, John Elway could run, but he still wanted to throw the ball first. You know, Ben Roethlisberger got himself a couple of rings. Eli Manning got himself a couple of rings. Drew Brees, even though he's on the smaller side, he's not a runner. He's a pocket passer. You know, and, and Brady is still able to get away with it in a game that is now leaning toward the Pat Mahomes, you know, the Lamar Jacksons, the Deshaun Watsons, the Kyler Murrays, the Josh Allens, who can throw the ball but can be very damaging running as well. So what Brady has done, and what you mentioned about the two careers, it blows my mind. 
his first 10 years, the second 10 years, each of those in half were Hall of Fame careers in, each, in, in themselves. So it's crazy. And, and, and I've been doing a lot of interviews this week. I get a little perturbed that people that say, boy, if Mahomes does this for a little while longer, he's going to be right up there at Brady's. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, let's enjoy what Brady's doing. Mahomes, while Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now, but he is in his infancy compared yeah. to Brady and what Brady has done. So let's not start handing Patrick Mahomes, even though he deserves everything he's gotten so far with MVP and the contract, and he's the best quarterback in the league now. But when people start already, already want to start to put the all-time thing on, I'm like, wait a minute. I hear pe people saying Mahomes is already better than Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers ever was. I'm like, give me a break. You know, you, gotta, you can be great in a very short time or over a long period of time. And Mahomes may do that. He absolutely, he's certainly on a trajectory to do that. He is great. I'm not diminishing. But, but I really get a little – I think it's a little uh, disrespectful to the older great quarterbacks to say, oh, yeah, this guy's already nipping at his heels. I'm like, man, you got a long way to go, you know, a long way to go to make through it healthy and to play at the level you're playing at. You know, Mike, what's interesting, too, is what he said, uh, I think it was Tuesday, when they asked him about, you know, the 45 cutoff date that he'd given himself to play. And he said he's not even sure if 45 is going to be the day. Um, what's interesting to me is, is there, I don't know, there's very few players out there that I don't, I don't want to say love the game. I want to say he has such a passion for the process of the game and, and, and loves to practice and loves to prepare, which is not always true about great players. Well, the want to has to be there. Uh, and, and everybody is completely different, right? And it's not the season on why a player retires. It's the off season. It's the work, and I just picked the NFL, it's the work you do from January to August. That's what you get tired of doing. You don't want to put in the work anymore that you know you have to put in if you want to be great from September to January. September to January is the icing on, icing on the cake. Practices aren't as hard. You're playing in games that actually count uh, in front of huge you know, stadiums full of people. Well, once we get back to that, it's the when nobody's watching when you're running the sprints, when you're lifting the weights, when you're doing what you have to do, that's what people get tired of doing. And as long as you're willing to put in that work, there are so many people that say this year, oh, I've gone through Drew Brees, a walk-in Hall of Famer, Aaron Rodgers, a walk-in Hall of Famer. If he wins this, Pat Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL, and he's part of the first team to ever play a game in their home stadium for the Super Bowl. What a perfect way to retire. And, and I, I hate when people do that. You know when Tom should retire? When Tom wants to retire, if Tom wants to continue to put in the work or anybody wants to continue to put in the work, then man, go for it. Because for the most part, Tom's an exception. For the most part, you've got a hell of a lot of life to live after you play. Most guys end in their 20s or 30s. Tom could be 45 or so. Think of this. I think Pat Mahomes' father is 50 yeah. or in his early 50s. And Tom is 43, and, and, and Tom's playing against his kid. It, yeah. It's amazing. As long as you want to work, as long as you want to put in the time, man, play as long as you damn well want. You know, the only thing I was going to tell you too, Mike, is I think he's an anomaly only because, you know, the whole TB12 method that he's put in in terms of, you know, the masseuse, in terms of this lengthening the muscles, the diet, the, the, the maniacal, you know, I'm ready to work yeah. out two days after the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, but, know, he's not, he, but he's not the only one that does that. I mean, we're in an era where that's done all the time. We're in an era where guys are spending – 
dollars in the offseason for personal chefs, for masseuses, for private workouts. He's not alone in that. Um, but but he enjoys the process and it's working for him. So TB12, listen, I, I don't know how it is or how it isn't. I don't know all the things in it. I know there are other things out there that work as well. But to what you said earlier, he enjoys the process. Many people are doing that in the off season, but you know, not as many can stay great for as long as he's done it. Mike Golick's on the Roman Gabriel show. And uh, Mike, tell me about... Um the Patriots situation, um, you know, obviously they had some guys that opted out before the year started. Brady, uh, Brady ends up leaving. Uh, you know, we don't know whether it was all him or, or whether it was Belichick. But the thing I wanted to say is I've heard so many players, and I want you to respond to this. I've heard so many players say that this is going to be tough for the Patriots to rebuild. Uh, Mike, tell me about um, the Patriots situation. Um, you know, obviously they had some guys that opted out before the year started. Brady, uh, Brady ends up leaving. Uh, you know, we don't know whether it was all him or, or whether it was Belichick. But the thing I wanted to say is I've heard so many players, and I want you to respond to this. I've heard so many players say that this is going to be tough for the Patriots to rebuild. They've, you know, Derek Stenham has you know, not played a regular season game where he started. Cam wasn't the answer this year. Who knows right. you know, if he's yeah. going to come back. But a no, lot of won't be back. former players of the Patriots said uh, the reason why they came to New England wasn't so much for Belichick as it was for Brady. Well, I, I, yeah, you hear that. They came to win. Whether they thought it was more Brady than Belichick, they came there to win. And that's why some players went to Tampa Bay afterward they signed because Brady was there. And they know they could win. They, they had they had the uh, – you know, they, they have the receipts. They have the trophies of winning. You know, there is no way I would ever sit here and knock Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is going to go down as either the greatest or one of the greatest coaches to ever coach in the game. And by the and, way, Brady doesn't knock him either. Brady doesn't. No, no, he, he doesn't. Because go to any great coach, any all-time great coach, just pick one in any sport and tell me he didn't have at least one to two great players playing with him to help him win all that time. I always lean toward the player, uh, great player, great coach, because you can have the greatest game plan in the world as a coach. If you don't have the players execute it, doesn't mean a hill of beans. But you can also have a bad game plan out there and great players that can overcome a bad game plan. So I'll always lean to the athlete on the ice, on the court, on the diamond, on the pitch, on the field – because they're the ones that are actually out there having to execute the game plan. Mike Golick with us on the Roman Gabriel Show, romangabrielshow.com. And um, so this time of year, Mike, we don't get a lot of blockbuster trades, but this uh, Goff-Stafford trade was very interesting. Tell me, uh, you know, both sides, what do you think? Well, I, I think you had both teams, and I know in, in Detroit anyway, Detroit was fine moving on. Stafford was ready to move on. I don't think Goff was ready to move on in L.A., but it, it obviously it seems they were ready to move on from him. So you kind of had it mutually decided. You got, you got a whole new regime in Detroit, so you were going to kind of start anew with a quarterback since Stafford had been there so long. So that was easy. You, both sides knew that it was going to happen. Then it was just finding the right suitor. And you found a team in L.A. that wasn't you know ecstatic about their quarterback in Goff. And I, I think it's, it's – listen – I'm not sold on golf uh, all the way, but you never know. Change of scenery for him, we'll see. But they, Detroit picked up a ton of assets 
Russell, uh, say, were you surprised by two number ones? Oh, no, not at all. Wait, if Deshaun Watson gets traded, that'll be three number ones. But so maybe a little surprising since they were two, two number one picks being traded for one another and then another two round, two first rounders go to Detroit. But Stafford is, is a great quarterback, I think. And now he goes out, he has a better uh, running attack. He has a better O-line. He has a better defense for support out there than he did in Detroit. So, you know, we'll see. A lot of people say Stafford was a compiler. He didn't win when he got to the playoffs. And I think it's one of the more unfair things about quarterbacks. The quarterbacks at times get too much praise and at times they get too much criticism because they're only out there one-third of, of the, you know, offense, defense, and special teams. And you can be trapped to who you have around you as well. And, and he definitely has more talent around him in L.A. than he did in Detroit. Well, I was going to ask you, how does it, how does it play – when you have a guy like Stafford who's really kept his mouth shut. I mean, he's been a team player. He's been a team player. Yeah. Anybody, anybody who talks about him on Detroit, you know, didn't have a great chance to get to the Super Bowl ever. How does that play in the motivation of knowing what you just said, that now you're going to, you know, people talk about, you know, sometimes new scenery is something that gets somebody going. But it sounds like to me that this could be a really nice fit uh, with this offense and with him saying, hey, not a lot of years left. Um, this is my chance. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, he's a guy that he wanted to get traded to a team that was close, not a rebuilding team, and he goes there. I mean, it's just like when Brady went to Tampa Bay, you know, they had great receivers, a pretty good running game, a really good defense. It was loaded a lot better for him than it was at that point in New England. So now Stafford gets that, and now we'll see what Goff does. So now, remember, they signed Dan Campbell uh, to a six-year deal. Only the second six-year deal, the other, was Kyle Shanahan. So that means you have time to try and build a little bit there. So we'll see if golf is actually going to be that guy. As I said, can the change of scenery be good for him or are one of those first rounders that they got going to be used down the road for a quarterback? Mike Golick with us on the Roman Gabriel show, romangabrielshow.com. And, uh, you know, Mike, where do you see the NFL going next year with this COVID thing? Do you think we'll be back to normal by maybe training camp? I, I think so. Again, how the hell do I know? I think the greatest thing now is the vaccines are, are going out. And I think that's going to at least mentally put a lot of people's mind at ease. I know there's other strains out there. Listen, we all watch the same stuff every day and listen to the doctors and, and try and mitigate this as much as we can. You just hope it continues to go in the right direction. But I, I, maybe it's more hope than belief that we start to get back to more normal so that, like I said, by this time next year when we're in L.A. for the Super Bowl, that it's back to what it, what it had been. Listen, the NFL was outside the bubble and they made it through the year. There were a couple of hiccups along the way, but they made it through pretty well. So I would just see it building on that. And by building on that, I mean you'll start to see fans back in the stands again and it start to get a little bit more back to normal. Well, the television contracts obviously, you know, got, you know, the owners through this year. But the thing I was going to ask you is um, they can't afford another year with no people in the stands, can they? Makes it tough. I mean, you go back to baseball when baseball was deciding what they were going to do. There were actual owners out there. They didn't say it publicly, but we knew there were owners out there that would have rather bagged the whole season because they were going to lose money. It was about how do we lose the least amount of money? And for some owners, it was. Let's not play the season at all because every time we play in a stadium that's not full, we're losing even more money. So let's bag the season. So, you know, it, yeah, I mean, physically, physically, it, it is hurting people. Um, not to I, I see it again. I don't know everybody's 
uh, um, money uh, situation. Some are losing money. Some are just not making as much money as they normally were. So it's just a where you fall, you know, in that line. But yeah, I mean, this is this is a killer. But you have the football contract. I mean, you have the TV contract. So that's that's money going right in the owners' pockets. I mean, they're missing out on tickets, concessions, and parking, and things like that. But that TV money will will help you get through it for a bit. That's for sure. Well, Mike, uh, you know, this, this business is a tough business and there are a whole lot of shows out there, but there was very few shows as unique as yours and uh, your personality. You brought so much to the table and so many great fans out there, yours, because they felt like they could be the everyday lunch pail fan and that you welcomed that. So uh, you had a very, very uh, kind way of, of, of including the fan and uh, treating the fan with a lot of respect. But, you know, I appreciate that. And that, that's what I wanted to do. I, I never wanted to talk at the audience. I wanted to talk with them. You know, I wanted it always to be like uh, I'm sitting at the bar and we're all just having a beer and just shooting the breeze. If I can take you into a huddle or into a locker room or in the mind of a pro athlete because I was one, great, I'll do that. But for the most part, man, we're just going to shoot the breeze back and forth. I'll give you my opinion. I want to hear your opinion. And we go from there. Mike Golick, final moments on the Roman Gabriel Show, RomanGabrielShow.com. I wanted to ask you this because, you know, when we play football, we have people we look up to, people we try to pattern our games after. Um, in radio, when you first got into radio, Mike, who, who were the guys that you got maybe some help from that, or that you looked to and said, man, I'd like to be like that or somebody that could help me? Well, there, there wasn't – mostly the ball players when they finished went to be analysts in the booth. Uh, and I did do that. I was the first, uh, me and Kevin Harlan did the TV preseason games for Jacksonville. We started that in 95. But there really was nobody in radio, in all honesty, um, or in TV from a former player, because uh, we started to do what's called NFL Live Now, but it was NFL Tonight. It was a brand new show where me, Mark Malone, Merrill Hodge, and Sean Salisbury all are at a desk talking football. You know, that was, hadn't been done a ton and certainly guys didn't have four hour radio shows. So there was really, really no one to really lean on a guy. I did. Um, everybody I'm sure I just knows Leslie Visser, the, you know, yeah, great on the sidelines. So what she did, her brother, Chris Visser was a great, uh, he ran, uh, you know, radio stations and was PDs and stuff. And he kind of steered me in this. He was my first PD when I started radio uh, in Arizona and he is, has a wealth of knowledge. So, he was probably a guy because I was out of my element. I mean, I like to talk, you know, I like to hang around, you know, and do that. But, you know, there has to be some continuity, some focus, so the right ways to do things, the mechanical ways. And, and Chris was great at kind of guiding me and helping me to get going in that till I could really catch my footing a bit. Did you ever think that it would turn out to be what it did, Mike, when you began? This? No, no, never did. Because, again, that was a time when – there were, you know, there was inside HBO, inside the NFL and HBO. There were a couple of different things, but and, and obviously the, like the pregame shows, but there were no studio shows like NFL Tonight and NFL Live. There were no athletes that had four-hour radio shows every day, meaning that as a football player, I had to talk hockey, baseball, basketball, all other sports. That, that didn't happen. So when I got out and I first started calling games with Jacksonville and then started doing local radio – I didn't. I thought it would just keep going as the analyst role, like I was doing with ESPN College uh, and with ABC and such. And then the one time I went to ESPN and they said, "Hey, we have national radio. We want to try the first ever national radio morning show. Do you want to be a part of it?" And I was like, 
you know, my dad taught me a long time ago, if you want to do something, even if you don't know how to do it, say yes. Yeah. And then figure it out along the way. So I'm like, yeah, sure, let's go. And then figured it out along the way. Well, Mike, you, you made the right choice because it started something that uh, uh, it was hard to duplicate because you guys did an incredible job and, and, and you were a real inspiration for me as well. Uh, you know, just, just watching the way you guys handled it and the way you guys brought the fans in. And, and that's what, what I've tried to do is to tell stories and to have people come into the lives of guys that maybe they didn't know that about. And, right. uh, you know, uh, this has been a real pleasure because normally on Radio Row, you, know, you would be going from table to table. You got eight <laughs> or ten minutes. Uh, but to be able to talk with you and have you have the chance to, to, to talk about maybe some things that you don't get a chance to talk about or, or expound on some things has been a whole lot of fun. So I appreciate you coming on the Roman Gabriel show, and it's uh, been a lot of fun. I hope we can do it again. My pleasure. I, it, this is a lot better than the, the quick eight to ten minute one. You get to, hey, just like a four-hour show, you get to kind of open up a little more. So I, I enjoyed it as well. Thanks. Well, Mike, I appreciate you coming in. Best to your family, and uh, enjoy the game on Sunday, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you soon, brother. I hope whatever it's going to be, radio or football, uh, we know we know you're going to do a great job. We look forward to seeing Thanks. you. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Roman Gabriel Show. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating and review on iTunes and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And remember, you can help us at the Sold Out Youth Foundation by donating. Text SOLD OUT 20 to 484848. That's SOLD OUT 20 to 484848 and help us help your students to stay drug and alcohol free. The Roman Gabriel Show is produced in partnership with Revoice Media. Executive producers Roman Gabriel and Nick Ruffini, audio editing by Justin Thomas, and graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music, entertainment, and sports podcasts, check out revoicemedia.com. Listen to the Roman Gabriel Show at romangabrielshow.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.